0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, Vortex Nation, as you know, Mark and I are going to be taking on this year's Vortex Extreme. Not in an ordinary fashion for us. We are green, green. To the reloading process, but we figured a lot of folks have been very interested in reloading on the podcast, so we figured that we would give it an actual try so uh, we would have some more to speak to when we talk more about it in the future. And this is part of our, our Vortex Extreme reloading pod venture. Now, one of the big things you need in order to, re- to reload is reloading equipment. Otherwise, I don't know how you're going to reload. And we have a special guest with us today who actually kind of helped us come up with this topic. It was in a car ride back from a show that we were at in Indianapolis. Lovely trip. Lovely trip. He was a guest on the podcast at the show, and now he's a guest again. It is Trent Brenny. How's it going, Trent? Great. Great morning. Thanks for joining us once again. You brought up in the car ride back how we'd done some reloading podcasts, I think, you know, 101 and 201 or something like that. And... Or it seemed to you like it was it was difficult to figure out everything that you actually needed to reload. Because a lot of times, and I've, I've kind of seen this with a lot of different things out there, not just reloading, but a lot of different hobbies. You see out there, people say, oh, it's really easy to get into, you know. Uh, here we have, for example, like a reloading press. So all you need to do is just get your average ordinary press kit, and then uh, you're good to go. And then next thing you know, you're watching them, and they're like, yeah, so we're going to grab out our... Uh, you know, case prep multi-tool, our, our uh, hand case trimming system. We're going to use our powder scale thrower, you know, and then we're going to throw it in the tumbler here, and I'm going to grab out my MIG welder, and we're going to get out the annealer. <laughs> and then it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's actually way more to this than you made it seem. And it, it's just, it's always kind of like a nebulous thing. So we're going to do our best to actually give in this podcast, you know, for Mark and I as we as we reload, and then for Trent for in your reloading endeavors in the future, it's much of an idea of what you actually need. And I should mention, we have Ryan Muckinhern here Hello. as well, who is our in-house right now professional reloader. I guess I don't know if you call yourself a professional reloader. I, well, You've been reloading a lot. I still have lot. all my fingers. Oh, so you're not a pro
1: yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not a shop teacher. Yeah, you got to give one up. Okay. And then you got your pro title. Okay. yeah, Still working on that. Yeah, badge. you know. So...
0: Here's how we have it laid out. Now, we got a bunch of stuff here on the table. If you're watching on YouTube, you're probably overwhelmed right now by the amount of things on the table. And, and keep in mind that these are not all things that, that one person would need for one reloading set. We actually have three different kind of sets here or avenues that you could go. I have uh, been calling them affectionately the pencil dive, the cannonball, and then the straight-up swan dive into reloading. Uh, head first, and does it make the most sense? These, I guess, if you will, beginner, mid level, expert level reloading stuff. Does it make sense to start out at your more entry level area? I think so. Yes. You know? Now we we have over here in our in our more entry level area this Lee Classic hand loader. It's in it's incredible, Ryan showed me this on YouTube. There was a guy out sitting on a log with a <laughs> hammer and some some cases of fired brass, some powder, bullets, primers, and he had this thing, this contraption here, and it's it's the Lee Classic handloader. And Ryan showed me and he was like, Oh man, this thing's a classy, you can't find them anymore. Well little, little did he know that they've come back with it. We went on Midway USA. You can find them for like less than thirty bucks. Incredible. It is pretty incredible. Um, am I getting ahead of myself too? Should we should we talk about real quick the the bullets, the powder and the and the primers and well, all that I'm, stuff or does that come in
1: It's all part of it, right? So it's all integral to each step. It's it's the the thing that we're trying to achieve at the end of this is a loaded cartridge. So, aside from the equipment that you need, you have to start with a couple of a couple of basics here. So, 1 cartridge cases, 2 powder, 3 bullet, 4 primer reloading or loading, whatever you want to call it, is the act of putting all those things together in a sealed container we call a cartridge, right? And so then that can be fired. So yeah, I mean, we can start with it. It's it's super simple, really. There's there's a couple different ways you could classify a cartridge. I have in my hand a 308 Winchester cartridge. Excuse me, a case, not a cartridge. It's just the, the empty, once-fired brass. So this is what we would start and reload. Bottleneck cartridge, they call that because it's got that that neck shape like a a bottle. So in in reloading terminology, which we talked about earlier in a a previous podcast, that's a bottleneck case. We've got bullets. I've got some Barnes TTSXs here. I've got some primers, some Federal 210s, uh, which is a large rifle primer. There's a couple of specifications of primer, so make sure you match your primer to the cartridge you're shooting. Um, And then some powder, uh, XBR 8208 from our friends over at IMR Powders. So yeah, put all those together. You use the reloading equipment to... Turn them into one cartridge, and you're done. Mm-hmm. It's that simple.
0: How do you choose the exact bullet that you're going to wind up putting in? Is it is it application based? Is yes. it based on your rifle that what bullets it likes and doesn't like? That is it, too. What do you What do you look at first? Is it first my application and mm-hmm. then what my rifle likes, or yes. is it what my rifle likes then try to find something for the application? Um,
1: I think for me the best success path has been application, and then I, I come up with a smattering of projectile choices that fit the criteria that I'm after. So like for my hunting rifle, like I shoot these 130 grain barns, TTSXs. Um, I picked those because I wanted a rifle that did a particular thing. I wanted a heavily constructed bullet um, that I could push pretty fast, and it's that bullet. And then I have to tune my rifle to shoot them. So application first, then bullet.
2: It's really not dissimilar to when people are selecting a rifle scope and they, they yeah. ask the question, what rifle scope should I get? Correct. And our first question is, well, what are you using it for? Right, okay. right. Like, All we, right. Would,
1: we wouldn't go out and buy a Golden Eagle to go hunting necessarily, unless we're, like, hunting groundhogs. But wouldn't be an amazing hunting rifle scope for, say, the Midwest. So application, then then bullet. Gotcha.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the the primers, it seemed like, when I was looking at it, there's, like, small and large rifle.
1: Yep, more or less. So, yep, there's there's pistol, and, well, that's a different thing altogether. Right, but rifle, right. there's small and large and then there's some outliers like for 50 BMG and some other weird, goofy stuff. You but would
0: probably know if you have that correct. kind of a rifle that you were going to need that kind yeah, of
1: primer. Yeah, yep. But but for, for the rifle side of this, it's small rifle or large rifle. Okay.
3: Yep. When it comes to these combinations, yep. uh, when you're looking at reloading manuals, uh, do you try to pick, I guess, forgive the ignorance on this one, but in reloading manuals, they're usually done by certain companies. Like you have one by Hornady on the mm-hmm. wall there. So when you're trying to get combinations, is there a reloading manual that has all those bullets in them? Do they have the bullets in them from the other brands?
1: So generally, it'll be a a bullet company will put out a manual. Okay, so Hornady will have their own manual. Nosler will have their own. Barnes will have their own. In there, you're going to find only Hornady, Nosler, or Barnes, respectively. Um, There are a lot of publications, though, that will have a smattering of bullets from different manufacturers and powders. And a lot of the powder manuals, Will have all sorts of different bullets that they've you know tested, and then also there's a bunch of online resources and even some programs. A good one called Quick Load um, that has a huge combination of bullets and powders to use. But but if you select a, an ammunition or a bullet manufacturer, the likelihood is that they only have their projectiles in that book. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah.
0: And then the and the powder. Mm-hmm. I guess being the next thing. There's so it seems like there's a lot of different kinds of powders. Yeah. We talked in one of the last reloading episodes how, like, sometimes the the temperature at which you're going to be shooting at can determine what powder you're using. You know, when you look in this little Lee Classic hand loader thing, they give you a recommendation. It's like a 308 Winchester chart here. And, you know, if you're using, for example, a 155 grain jacketed bullet. You know, it says H Varget IMR 4895, and then there's a bunch of numbers in this table after it. So they're, they're recommending different powders. But, yeah. like, but like what, is, what does each one of those mean? Is that always going to be the right powder? I imagine it has to line up with this little powder thrower thing that they gave you. Yeah. It's like something out
1: of... It's called a dipper. Yeah, so donkey
0: I'd right? also
2: be curious, too. I mean, like, with this kit, Ryan, yep. you know, it seems... Somewhat rudimentary. It is. Right? So are the powders there, when you're looking at them, Mm -hmm. are they very forgiving, I guess, versus some other ones?
1: Yes. I think that's just part of the... Like, certain powders are going to rise to the top, and and Scott Parks, who's been a guest on this podcast before, has talked about that as well. Certain powders are going to rise to the top as being ultimately the most forgiving, versatile, and like high performance for what you're getting. You can get into some interesting rabbit trails and get some super, super specialty pow- powders for some super, super specialty loads. But for the most part, the, what they have listed here, like Barget, like Jim had mentioned, 8208, which is what we have here, um, is a powder that they go. These oh, okay. are, yeah, these are all pretty common, popular powders because they're good. Um, mm-hmm. not necessarily because of any other reason they're forgiving. Like you said, they're, they're commonly found and they're top performing. So, they recommend them. And so, like, deciphering this chart here, uh, the powder type they have listed in the left column. Um, and this looks exactly the same as the Lee load manual. So when you open those up, they kind of give you an idea. Gotcha. They talk about the Lee dipper, uh, which is a little yellow device. And, and Lee has, over the course of probably a half a century, devised um, th- this volumetric dipper. So this isn't by weight. It's volumetric. It's this cute little thing. It looks like, yep. looks like something out of, like, an old... Little scoop, little scoop,
0: yeah, yeah, like a I, like you'd see this in a Super Smash Bros. video game or something like that, like a little hammer you'd yeah people with or <laughs> yeah, whatever, little, little corn pipe. Mark, this
2: thing freaked you out because you were like, oh no way, no way would that thing be exact enough. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to be as exact as like a powder scale, but you know, when we were first looking at it, it actually reminds me quite a bit with my muzzle kit. Yep, I just or well, I guess it depends on which muzzle loader I'm using, but I mean, it's by volume, you know, you have 100 grains, 80 grains, you slide the little brass thing up and down and pour the powder in, give her a little shake, yep. level her off, and I think it says 3.1 pour down the barrel on it.
1: Yeah, so volumetric charge uh, with this Lee dipper 3.1 cubic centimeters, which they've done the math on what that should average out to if you have your dipper leveled on the top. So let's take 80, 8208, which is really convenient too because they recommend 8208 with 125 grain jacketed bullet we're shooting 130 grain bullet so we're pretty darn close to the same numbers here i think it'd be a safe bet you know to look at this if we're going to use this little dipper the 8208 they see 3.1 cc dipper is going to give us uh 43.6 grains of powder which is then a charge or excuse me a volume or a weight measurement Oh, okay. Yeah. And then if I look at the average velocity or the calculated velocity, as they call it, that's about right in in the pocket. That's where you want to be, 2,815 feet per second out of their test.
0: Would it be a smidge lower with a heavier bullet, then I imagine?
1: Yeah. So as you go up in bullet weight, and if you were to stay at an equal powder measure or volume uh, or charge, your velocity is going to drop. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple other things that occur there, too. So you, you got to watch this. In the left side, or excuse me, the furthest right side of the column, Lee calls out not exceeding 49.2 grains of powder. So that would be considerably more than what this dipper offered. For the loader that is going to be using this device, it would be my personal recommendation to simply use the device as Lee intended. A scoop is going to not use the charge that you're going to use. Don't do, like, a scoop and an eyeball third because <laughs> that's how accidents can happen. So this is actually a pretty precise little critter. It's cool. Yeah, it's super neat. I think, so I just, uh, I'm going further down the rabbit trail of muzzle loading rifles, and it reminds me of something that you're doing back in the pioneering days. Like, I've got this pre-measured thing that I, I carved out of wood or antlers or bone or something to make a powdered dump. Huh.
0: The only thing you're missing is, like, holding a bunch of old tin soldiers over a fire to melt them down and then, like, crimp them into a little
2: ball and stuff them down your musket. Right.
1: (laughs) But we're not that far off, so it's pretty cool.
2: (laughs) Let let me ask this, Ryan. Yeah. So with that, are you putting, like, no matter what, are you doing an even scoop with that thing?
1: Doing your best, yeah.
2: And are there some cartridges, like, is it always an even scoop? Are there some cartridges you'd put... Two scoops, or well, is it like no matter what, this it's kit, one scoop? This kit is only made for three hundred eight.
0: This is So yeah. there's another copy kit that copy
2: that three hundred wisdom. Yeah.
0: Oh God! Why did I say that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> because oh, there's another man. kit for because that, you want one for another cartridge, and it'll have probably a different, subtly different scoop. Okay. Yeah, and gotcha. Lee
1: has a, a huge variety of these dippers too, and you, you can buy them in a kit, and they're all this cool yellow color. Nice. It's like nothing changed from 1957, <laughs> and I love that so much. But I, I do not dismiss this reloading practice. I think this is a really cool thing. If somebody yeah. wanted to just get their toes wet.
2: Yeah. So what were you going to say, Mark? I was going to say, well, when we were talking about this before the podcast, like I, just, I find it amazing that with essentially a kit that you can uh, fit in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Literally, I fit it in my pocket, yeah. You can make whole cartridges that go bang. And yep, we're yeah. talking. I mean, like talk about like the ultimate prepper yep. kit. I mean, throw this thing in your basement with you know so if you got if you got uh, powder brass primers and this bad boy, y- you can make things go bang. And I think that's pretty cool. It's yep. true. So to get into this kit, and I know I kind of cut
0: myself off a little bit to talk about the bullets and the primers and the and stuff. To get into the rest of this kit, so we have this Lee Classic rifle loader. Again, we got it specifically. We got it for a 308. I know we bag on the 308 a lot. Say it's a period cartridge. It's ancient. <laughs> um, one step, one step newer than the uh, than the old musket balls I was just talking about. But anyway, it's it seems to be a good forgiving cartridge to load for. There's like a bazillion and one bullets for it. Cart you know, cases are easy to come by. Powder and all that stuff is easy to come by. Rifles are easy to come by. We have this Ruger American in 308 here. Very inexpensive rifle. Shoots very well. Nice and light and handy. Good hunting rifle. You could do some shooting, target shooting with it, I'm sure, as well. Uh, so, anyway, that's what we got. We got it specifically for the 308. And again, like I said, you can find it for like, I think it was 28 bucks on it on Midway. when we it, Amazing. Which is amazing. And they had like a drop down menu and you could scroll through, and there was like every cartridge in the book there. What else we got in this kit here? Again, I think everything came in for at least shy, if not right around a hundred bucks. That loader, we got a little bullet cartridge holder thing. Once you've uh, once you've got some empty brass or you've got some loaded cartridges, we got a hammer for like five bucks or something like that on Amazon. We got a dial caliper. We got this Lyman case prep multi tool. This thing's kind of nifty. It does the. Uh, what
1: Ryan? What does it do? <laughs> so this does everything that you would need for uh, case prep. Now we should, I should say it's not required. Right. You can you can do with just that. This thing. This classic loader. Yep. We
0: we. I don't know. Maybe we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. We got a little crazy with getting these these two uh, lime and the easy trim and the case prep multi tool. But it, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't right? no. And, it, I, and this thing costs twenty bucks. The easy trim costs another twenty bucks. It's like
1: so with reloading, right? So explaining some processes here. The cartridge case is made of brass, and when you fire it in in the rifle inside of the chamber, it generally has a tendency to grow. So like it'll lengthen, right? And so it can get to a point or it can lengthen to a point where it's unchamberable or unshootable, potentially unsafe. I think it would take a long time for a modern chamber and, and a, a moderate load to get that way, but nonetheless, it's going to happen. And so if you wanted to extend your brass life um, and, and increase your accuracy potential for a loaded cartridge, uh, it, is, it is a good practice to, to prep your cases, as they call it, case prep. Um, trimming, chamfering, deburring, all these things are going to lead to a, a more accurate cartridge, right? Like look at it. If you're making a cake, we're not we're not making the cake with handfuls of flour. We're measuring it out.
2: This is all right. part of the process. Right. So getting back to that case prep. So yeah. trimming yep. would be just I guess, you know, the the end of the neck, just yep. trimming that off. So, yep. so- yep. this is what the easy trim here would do. Okay. You actually you actually chuck it up in an electric
0: drill and then essentially I think you hand hold it or something.
1: You'll How hold, you? yeah. You'll hold the case in your hand. Yeah, you hold just, the case in your hand. So you're actually
2: just, not really trimming; you're grinding it off. You yep. no? so know. So this will use a cutter.
1: Yeah. It'll it'll probably have like a three uh, see three this
2: thing.
0: Yeah, it's got four. Oh wow! Four little cutters on it. <clears throat> and we'll shorten. Actually, you can see the guy on the back doing it. See his hand holding the. Uh, okay. His hand holding the case and this holder thing, and then he brings the trimmer up to it. Anyway. Yeah. It's got the instructions on the back for
1: those. That'll are. trim the case mouth. So when we're talking cartridge terminology, this is called the mouth, the neck, the shoulder, the body. It'll trim the case mouth. Okay. And then we'll take the chamfer and de tool, which is that device there. The looks like a lemon yep. squeezer thing. Yep. Almost. So the lemon juicer part um, <laughs> it <look> goes on <laughs> goes on the inside of the case mouth and it puts a chamfer on on that case mouth. So imagine when we cut it, we're gonna end up with a burr. That's gonna Cut that burr out. We're going to have a nice, chamfered, tapered entrance for that bullet to go into the neck easily. It's not going to distort. It's not going to shave the jacket of the bullet off. Uh, Yeah, you're going to have less of a tendency of run out where your bullet's actually entering your case mouth kind of sideways. I've seen that before. Yeah. Um, So that's going to help center that up. And the deburr is for the outside of that case mouth. So it's going to put a nice, well, like a reverse chamfer on the outside. So you have a nice, smooth case mouth there. Uh, quality product at the end of it. It's going to chamber better. It's going to feed better. The potential for bullet deformation when it's being loaded is going to be decreased. Mm -hmm. Um, On the inside of those tools there. Oh yeah, they got the primer pocket cleaners or something like that. Right. And there's some, I know a lot of guys that don't do that. So later on in this podcast, we'll get to the stainless steel tumbler, which is a really nifty product. But Primer pocket cleaning, When you, this is a, another expendable on the cartridge case. So the primer actually gets replaced, right? So that pops out. We put a new one in. That pocket will get dirty. Um, it'll get covered in primer soot or, or compound. Um, and if you clean it out, your primers are going to seat evenly. The flash hole, which is a hole at the back of the case that the, the priming compound, when it's ignited, flows through to burn the powder... That will be free and clear of debris. Um, and then if you uniform all that up, if you keep that primer pocket cut, again, this is like that cake. You're taking an added step to make sure that you have a good product at the end of it. So it's, it's kept uniform. It's kept clean. It extends the brass life. It increases the accuracy potential. Hmm. So that's, that's all that is. This happens to be a crimped case which is interesting. We'll see when we start loading that, if that presents a problem. What tells you that it's a crimped case? So you can see on the back, I should say crimped primer pocket, um, on the back of the case head, this mm-hmm. is called the head, um, you can see that there's like, where the text is, it says Hornady, and mm-hmm. then there's like a little lip, and then there's the primer. Okay, Yeah. Sure. So that little yep. lip is a, is a crimped primer pocket. This is most often found on military ammo. Um, that pocket is kept crimped, Keep the primer from backing out uh, under you know the duress of transport, or if we're say firing a belt-fed machine gun like an M240 that would be chambered in 308, that rattling of all that going on is going to keep those primers from potentially walking out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So there's a variety of tools out there too for that. I actually just use the the lemon squeezer part, the the deep uh, chamfering tool, and I just knocked that edge down no problem is
3: the prep usually the same for straight walled cartridges as well you Um, find a little less prep than in the bottleneck cartridges
1: depends depends on your cartridge there's a few other steps if we want to jump that one um so like 4570 is probably my favorite cartridge reload you you do the resizing the decapping which is where you knock the primer out that part's all the same but in a straight walled cartridge because it doesn't have a neck You have to prep the mouth, and you have to do what's called a uh, a bell or a flare. And so, whether that's nine millimeter, like on the on the Dillon press that we have next to us here, or forty five seventy, I have to open that case mouth an appropriate amount to allow the bullet to be set in there, seated properly, and then I have to close the case mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. So with a bottleneck cartridge like a three hundred eight, generally you have a two die set. Full length sizing and decapping is combined in one die. And then seating and crimping is in another. On a straight walled or a pistol cartridge, most pistol cartridges will take nine millimeter, for example, you'll have resize um, and decap. Uh, we'll have seating and then we'll have crimping. So that'll be its own critter. Um, and so that's a whole different die. Uh, and that's just a tool that squishes the case in a particular way so that it's chamberable fireable um so good question uh straight wall cases yeah you'll have an additional step very interesting Mm -hmm. now
0: back to this classic one before we go on to our uh cannonball so to speak i I think it's oh we also have a little bit of did i mention the case lube yet just in case actually most videos i've seen of people using this thing they didn't even i don't think they were using case lube but i would it's not a bad idea no because you gotta this thing works kind of funny you know you have all these different little pieces here and when you pull it all out, I mean you wonder to yourself how in the heck is this actually going to reload a bullet, a cartridge. But it's would like it... all these little all these little things they screw together. You got this little thing. This takes your primer out. I mean, we could even do it right now. I was going to say would it would be out of the question Please to do. make one. So, like here's here's now nah. <laughs> I'm I'm drawing on my YouTube watching knowledge here. But for example, we've now put the 308 case in this first step here, which is this little seat. And uh, it's kind of like a toilet for a bu- for a bullet <laughs> because it's got a hole underneath it and it's going to take a squat down there. And then uh, we're going to just like put this put this primer boinker in there and you drop it down and it fits exactly in the neck of the uh, of the case. And then you give it a bonk with a hammer and then it comes to a stop. And if you did it right, that comes right out of the. Oh, right wow. yeah. look at that! I'm so look excited. At that. There's the spent primer. Down on the table, and so now you have what is that? That's a decapped decapped ca- case yeah. now.
1: Can I can I look at the case? Give so a check. it it also did a, a kind of a preliminary uh, reshaping of the case neck. So oh, because this thing's it's it's like like a mandrel. Yeah, because we kind of yep. had to push it in there. Yep. So that's good. That, so like your decapping stem on your regular die would do that too. Now to a little bit, I guess, more of a precise degree. I think looking at this setup, it's going to redo it and finalize it later. But that was brilliant. That's so <laughs> exci- that is so exciting. I'm so excited. And so you've got now where this is probably the point at which we should
0: uh, maybe put a tiny bit of uh, the case lube on there. And this comes in. Oh no, we had to get this separate from the kit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, go like rub rub this. That, rub that rub like fingers. Fingers. Yep, go, go like, like this. Rub it in a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then now kind of and then put it just kind of around. Yep. The case so it doesn't get stuck in. Because actually, at this point, you have to. You have to use this this kit. You we're gonna pound in the case into the uh, the, I think into call the it the die. I, I guess you would call that the die. Yeah, I'm gonna do the thing I used to do that my parents would get mad at me for, and just wipe <laughs> off my fingers on my clothes or the chair. Uh, but yeah, now you put in the now you put in the case in this side here, and you can kind of see down there. It actually it actually is sort of like the outside shape of the case or what the case should look like. And it drops down in there, and it doesn't quite go down all the way at first. And then, like I said, this is all drawing off of what I've watched on YouTube. Trent, there's so many things in your way. I'm looking right through this periscope Oh, thing you're here. looking it's right working... through the uh, <laughs> yeah. through the tumbler. So then you're just going to give this thing, you just give this a couple couple whacks until it seats all the way down there. We're just, again, this this hammer that we're using, I've seen people use like a household just metal hammer, but I just found one with like the uh, polymer.
1: I think that was ends. a good call I think boss. it's probably yeah. a...
0: A good way to go. Yeah. So this is the part where I remember watching and being like, how the heck is the bullet not just now just stuck in there, or the case not just stuck in there? And if I remember right, this is the part where you then uh, put the new primer in. So, Ryan, you said you have new primers. Yep.
2: (laughs) So what we just did now, this step is accomplishing resizing. So that resized it. Now, this only neck sizes. This
0: is one of the downsides of, you could say, this reloading thing is that it's, they say that you can't use it for a semi-automatic rifle. Oh, interesting. Generally, because it only neck size, it; doesn't full-length size the case, and so there could be issues with with feeding. And semi, it, it works. It's for lever actions and bolt actions sure. only.
1: Depending on your chamber dimensions, I follow these recommendations. They're better at this than I could ever hope to be. I think it's just cool as heck. Otherwise,
0: so now we have this little thing that looks like uh, I don't even know what, but. It's got see this like see this silver thing around the primer. It's like spring loaded. Yep. Okay. And so what's going to happen is now our cartridge is stuck inside of this like times capsule looking <laughs> thing, and uh, we're then going to flip it upside down. It has a hole that goes all the way through, and we're going to flip it upside down. It rests inside of this. It's it's amazing how Lee made everything fit together so well.
1: And this is an old product. This is yeah. not this is not some revolutionary whiz bang.
0: No. Yeah. This is this is the classic. So then, what what'll happen is, and this is the part that freaked me out. I remember at first, is I was like, "How in the heck are you?" They actually want you to hammer, hammer down on a on a brand new primer. But the way that it works, it actually, or the way that they do it, it actually works. I think you put it the knurled end down. If I'm, uh, wait, no, that might not be right. I think you put it knurled end up. So you if something it? goes, if something goes bang here on the podcast, Can we me those directions out, Jim. Uh, yeah. All right. I was hoping we were gonna <laughs> right, make the whole right. thing without it. Something goes bang here.
2: You know you know I I'm shouldn't. conservative when it comes oh, okay. to these oh, things.
0: The, the instructions are incredibly easy. So look, like, knurled and up. Yeah, all right, cool. I
2: don't
3: need those instructions. It's in fact, only seven steps.
0: YouTube, man. So then you go boom, 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 boom. Think I hit it enough?
1: I think so. Let's
0: oh, get let's there we things go. Things the special. sound changed yeah. a little bit. Did you it's hear like that? lapping
1: rings? You hear that, that? Acoustic.
0: Okay, so there's no more primer in there. Look at that and let me see that thing it's flush yep you can do a little finger check on there too you just go yeah just just kind of see if it feels brilliant perfect so that so that now the now the new primer is back inside and with all that banging and tapping we did the case just comes back out even though it looked like we totally hammered it in there is jammed in forever i mean this thing looks like just like a retro socket set Oh, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It looks like sockets that are threaded and joined together.
1: The case mouth is perfectly round now at that. Really? At that 100%. Really? I mean, that looks exactly as it would if it came out of my $129 carbide neck sizing guy. <laughs> Boom. We have success. So,
0: then essentially what you're going to do is, and I think I actually I prematurely took it out because at this point we actually need to um, we need to pour powder in. Sure. Right? So you'd grab your little yellow yellow thing here. And I'll I'll double check to make sure we're doing it right. But yeah, we are indeed doing it correctly. Place the tool on the decant. Yep, yep. Leave the case in this position for the like next apples. three steps. Okay, so yes, we will leave it.
1: Your powder s- smells like apples. Uh, yeah, it's my favorite part about gunpowder. It Let me does smell like apples. Smell, it smells like I, I should It smells like candy green apple that you Yeah, yeah not not like not like real apples, but like oh Caramel candy green. I wouldn't have
2: expected that. Do you think
1: they do that as a courtesy to reloaders? I I think so. It's just just a pleasant, yeah, pleasant fragrance.
3: Um, While he's measuring that, Ryan, what's uh, they have a few different materials for dyes. Is there one that you prefer over the other?
1: Depends entirely on the cartridge, and that's a great question. So I'm that looks pretty level. Now we're gonna
0: this this thing here down here makes like a funnel. I think we'll actually. Oh, here's what we can do. We can have this meet up. Ha! Everybody on
1: YouTube didn't do this. Jim is living in the twenty sixth century right
0: now. <laughs> I do like Trent's question, so I wanted to get yeah. to that. But there I is also a sure. small funnel. Oh, here we got. You wanted we to utilize that. Oh, there well, is a small funnel. Well, that's that's part of a different kit,
3: but
1: not necessarily required. If this was a windy day and you found yourself out in the field and you just were do reloading, is.
0: So now we gotta now we gotta give it some taps. I was gonna to get... say
2: that there appears to be a little uh, residue in there. Well, just
0: uh, just like essentially static or something yeah. is Holding coated it. with powder that should be instead in my in my case. I'm so excited.
2: Um, back to your question. Yeah,
0: back to it's Trent's now, question. Now hold on, let me.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask something here, oh, Jim, because I saw you put your finger in there. Are you introducing if Jim like had, grease and things like that? If to Jim the powder? had a bunch
1: of goo on his fingers, I would say yes. Like a bunch of case lube? Like loop. case lube? Loop. <laughs> I, wa- I, wa- I watched him wipe his finger clean.
0: Yeah, he watched okay. me do the thing.
1: Generally not a good thing to handle your powder with your hands. We'll just put it that way. Okay.
0: Well, you know what? Uh,
1: uh, uh, but speaking to modern propellants, they're fairly resistant to moisture. And hmm. go- I'm not telling you that they're like, oh, it's going to be completely unaffected, but you'd be surprised at how
0: little it. So instead work. of using your fingers, folks, use the little primer Is thing.
1: You got quite a bit in there?
0: Yeah, I did. I think maybe it would be a good idea when you get one of these things to just like wash it out with some dish soap, you know, and water before you use it. Because, yeah, I think there I there must have been just like maybe some residue in there that the powder was sticking to. Most people that I've seen, I mean, they just they pour it in and it just kind of falls right in. But, I mean, this is this is now going in pretty well. And the, uh, the whatchamacallit, this uh, primer. Called the decapping, decapping tool. Decapping tool actually is doing a pretty good job. Yeah, there's a lot of static. Well, you know what? We're just gonna finish this uploading is for, this. It, this is, it, just this for, is for visual purposes only. It'll be close. Ryan Ryan is now take a gander. requesting.
1: Oh heck, that's fine. A gander. Yeah, you're good. Good to go. Trans taking notes. Do not use fingers. To. Do not use those.
0: Okay. <laughs> is it you-
3: Writing down questions so I don't keep interrupting the process. I want
0: to oh, no, I want to address a, the question wanna, that I you wanna, asked. I though. want Trent's question to be addressed as well. <clears throat> Poly- so even polymer tips too are okay with this. Now we literally are gonna drop our bullet down in there. How cool is
2: that? Uh, Trent, in some, here then, I want to look and see what that looks like.
1: Trent asked whether or not you have to use a specific die for a specific cartridge or a, 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 a material. S- yes, yeah, a, a style or a material. Historically speaking, dyes are steel, which is fine. It has a great wear life. You can load thousands and thousands of rounds off of traditional dyes without having to spend a ton of money on these exotic materials. But some dyes will, and and some properties of some dyes, will allow you a little more um, lenience or forgiveness when when we're loading. And so, like, take my Dylan, for example, here. My resizing die is carbide. Which interestingly enough on nine millimeter does not require that I use lubrication.
2: Does it also add longevity over a stainless? Yes. So I was looking at that, Jim, and before you started, I was like, Well, how do you know how far to go? And it, it appears it out. tells you when it bottoms out and the little starter, if you will, she's begins, in there now. Begins to bounce. I think
1: I think were you supposed to set it on this device when you hammered it? So that it had some place to go?
0: I don't know. Let's
1: consult the manual. They do, they do have that indicated. Let's see if that freed her up. We done it now. Well, I think there's an easy way out of this one. Jim is unscrewing the, the device. Back to back to your question. Yes, so uh, carbide, carbide doesn't
0: always re- require yeah. you to use lube.
1: In straight wall cases. I use carbide for 223 loading on my Dillon as well, but you still require case lube because it's a bottleneck cartridge. So... I do uh, I do use case lube on two two three when I'm loading with carbide dies. Um, I use carbide dies for very high volume things like nine millimeter. Like this press has loaded tens of thousands of rounds of nine millimeter with that same die, and does not require the use of lubrication to the case. I actually still lightly lubricate my nine millimeter cases with a drying lube. Um, it's a mix of lanolin, pure lanolin, and isopropyl alcohol. Oh, lanolin.
0: Yeah. Eric's favorite material. Oh, yeah. He loves that.
1: And uh, that should be free now. Bingo. Okay. I seated it too far couple, because yeah. I had to
0: screw in this thing all the way. A couple
1: things there. So, yeah, case, case uh, that got seated too deep. But yep. we can So redo- Normally,
0: you can adjust the seating depth with this thing by screwing it in and out. Right. I had to screw it all the way in because I was a screw ball, and I got it stuck in there. Gotcha. Because I didn't, I didn't finish it out on top of the little stand.
1: So, well, good news. We've got 20...
0: Retries. There you go. All right, we're going to do it another time because I keep interrupting Trent's question. So. Okay,
1: but for the most part, if you buy good quality steel dies, they'll be fine. There are some other exotic materials out there, but steel
3: dies. Do you usually like to get dyes made by the uh, press manufacturer? Um,
1: sometimes. So the Dillons are pretty unique in, in the dyes that they use for a couple of things, but no. I've got a lot of Lee dyes. I've got a lot of Redding and RCBS and Hornady, and my Dillon dies are unique to my Dillon press, of course. But no, I'm not exclusive to that. Certain die companies do things that I like better than, than others in a particular set of dies or, or a cartridge. But no, I don't I don't necessarily adhere to maintaining a standard between press and die. Uh, they're all fairly universal uh, for, for most cartridges. So no, I, I would say look at a particular attribute of a die. And if it does something that you like, that's great. If it fits your press even better, then go with it. Speaking of dies, should we go into our cannonball? Yes. So our next step up from
0: just hammering stuff and potentially screwing up like I did. Well, we are know. missing
3: one tool, and that's the bullet puller. So we that would excel. be our, our one tool that's not on the table <laughs> that we could say. <laughs> from mistakes, they actually make a little bullet puller. It looks exactly like a hammer. Indeed. And you just pop Indeed. that right in. Well, Brian,
0: I apologize for wasting one of your bullets now. I feel like I've I feel like I've failed.
1: There is no such thing as waste. And Jim, I'm gonna tell you, as a novice reloader, you did 98% of everything correct. <laughs> if you don't think... I have a bucket. It's a Christmas popcorn tin next to my press that I throw these in because I do it every time.
0: Well, I imagine you got to probably have a case of 20 or so to get your proper depth because you're going to want to try and, and, and mm-hmm. screw ball around with this little yeah. uh, threaded yep. portion because that's going to adjust your depth. And then once you get that
2: right after a couple, then then just lock it in at that and use that setting forever. Well, yeah. I suppose you could even kind of start somewhere and you just keep and then look at it yep. and then yep. figure that's out true. just kind of. That's when, true.
1: When I'm loading for magazine-fed
2: rifles like this
1: Ruger is here, that's what I do. I'll start and I'll, I'll do an intermediate seating and I'll check
2: and I'll seat and I'll check and I'll seat and I'll okay. check. And um, then do you actually put it into yep. the rifle? So,
1: so I measure that, that clearance that I have between the – like the the front of the magazine and the rear of the magazine, like where the cartridge is actually going to fit in there. Okay, gotcha. I try to seat to that depth, and then I do a mag fit. Um, yeah.
3: So for someone who isn't as experienced, would you measure that final product with an overall length if you didn't have, say, a, a chamber checker or something well, like that?
1: yeah, so there's two ways to do that. That's why we got our dial caliper. Yeah, I mean... You can always consider yourself restricted to your maximum cartridge overall length by your magazine if you're shooting a magazine-fed rifle. So no matter what, you can only go that far unless you shoot, you know, a sled or something like that where you you don't you're not restricted to that. Um, if you're going to use like a, the ogive gauge, is that what you're you referring yeah. to? So that's a little different. I would call that a more of an advanced tool. Um, it's not hard to use, but. Follow the manual's recommendation recommendation for cartridge overall length, and about ninety percent of the time you're gonna be just fine. Unless you're running an exotic bullet profile or an exotic chambering style, I wouldn't worry about it. Hmm.
2: I do have a, I do have a question. Hmm? So I mean, it, it does appear we got a little bit aggressive with our seating depth here, Deep. right? Yep. What would happen if somebody put this in their firearm and Pulled the trigger.
1: Catastrophe.
2: Really? Yes. Okay. So the don't deeper
1: the deeper that we see a bullet, we're compressing a powder charge.
2: Well, and actually, I, I even noticed on this one, a piece of powder actually came out yeah. and was on the edge of there. So
1: what could what could have happened is we right, see... because
2: we had one of those hanging out in there. Oh, like that could I said, have been that, because yeah, I,
0: don't, I don't see I'd it anymore, thing, actually. i do some dish, dish soap and water and warm water and clean that thing out first before yeah, using it.
1: So the seat depth will also modify pressure and so it would be too too high to be safe right now
2: okay
1: um and and so be cognizant of that too when you're loading don't grab a giant bullet like a 240 grain sierra match king and then just assume that the powder charge listed on here for the 190 grainer is going to be okay because you're going to modify your pressure substantially if you're seeding the bullet to that appropriate
2: length okay right because that
1: bullet's going to be so much longer it's pushing down into the case yeah but no, this mm. this is mistakes have to be made before we can learn. So yeah. we just don't chamber and fire that one. Noted.
0: So let's move on to the next one. We should I I'll mention one other thing too. If you're using the classic, I've heard that you gotta use it on one rifle. You can't reload that cartridge and then put it in another rifle because it only neck sizes again. I think it just because like, that, that brass has been fire formed, so to speak, to that rifle. Yep. So now anything that we would make correctly out of this rifle would then be only used in that rifle. So next up we have the single stage press. This is probably, is this, would you say maybe the most common Mm -hmm. trend? Like when you were looking at getting into reloading or when you have me looking at getting into reloading, have you been looking at something like a single stage or have you been looking at the crazy, like the Dylan?
3: Well, I figured I would probably start with straight walled because I'd, probably be most interested in rocking 9 millimeter as fast as possible. So right. that's why I was looking at a turret Understood. press right away. But if I was loading for precision, I would start on a single stage. Makes sense. For okay. rifle caliber. So you're
2: looking for volume. Yeah. Like that's your primary. Yeah, at the yep. moment, that's what I would do. Okay, okay.
0: So for somebody who, like you said, is looking for more like the precision kind of thing, the the single stage is, is your next logical step up. And I got to say, the... We were shopping around then for you know, again, kind of this Lee Classic came in for at or under a hundred bucks or so. The next step up, the Lee Classic single stage press you can get for like it's like one hundred and thirty or one hundred and fifty bucks. And I was kind of like, oh wow. And is this um, the kit
3: that they actually sell all in one?
0: It is, yeah. Okay. Everything that they everything that they sell is right there. And I kept looking for stuff in there where it was like, well, they they can't have that. No, no they had that. They had the measure, the scale, the. All kinds of different tools, Ryan. You can get into what these things actually need. The only thing they didn't have was the dies for your particular cartridge, and so we threw in a couple of extra things that are really optional-ish for you. Optional, but we figured if you're kind of in this mid stage, they you might be interested in them. So that's that's why we have like this. Uh, frankfurt arsenal Dropper, and then we have the rotary tumbler with some stainless steel media that that is a, a little bit of a nice thing but it brought this up to now around a 300 to 500 hundred dollar kit so now we have more of a, mm-hmm. a defined jump up but what is what is the single stage press ryan what does it usually come with what do you need in addition to you know some of these little tools that we got for the The classic setup.
1: So this particular kit comes with almost everything short of a lot of the like the case prep stuff, like the trimming and and stuff. And I think Actually, no, this one does come with a trim. Okay, it does come with their their easy trim. Comes
0: with their easy trim. It's like this little uh looks like an old school pencil sharpener you had in your classroom.
1: So I want to give I want to give a little bit of credit to Lee reloading equipment today because for as long as I can remember, like even being a, a very young youngster, Lee has always offered everything a reloader needs to make quality ammunition with one flip of the switch. When you buy the kit, it, it, it does have everything. Um, there's some convenience items, like Jim had mentioned, we're going up to a digital scale here. And I think that is a worthwhile thing. But if, if you were looking for a setup to get you going and make like absolutely top-tier ammo, you can do it with this. Um, th- this little press-mounted trimming deal is a pretty novel idea. And they're using the, the press itself as kind of the workstation for everything. So it's not just a, a press for resizing and seating, but it's also trimming and powder dumping. And, and it's really well thought out. Um, they've, they've done a good job, uh, like I said, over the past probably half century. Yeah, you uh, do. Yeah everything, yeah, everything happens on the press, which is pretty sweet. Yep.
0: So you would, in this case, you'd need this kit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and again, like we said, if you're interested in and in, in you want to kind of have these convenience items, the the stainless steel tumbler and, yep. and the um digital powder scale and thrower, is is an added on thing. But this would be everything that you need. It, 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 in many cases, I've always found. Uh, I think Trent, you even mentioned this when we were in the car. Is there's like, oh yeah, I'll get the kit, and you think you have everything. And then the kit fails to mention that you need, you know, a bunch of other stuff that that it didn't come with. And then it kind of makes you wonder, like, why would you even sell a kit if it didn't have everything in it? Uh, but this actually, in this particular case, it even has case lube for you. Uh, it's got everything that you need. The only other thing on top of all this stuff would be some sort of a surface to mount the press to. You need a
1: small and, and wood it looks like table. it looks like if you had, honestly, goodness. A vertically mounted eight by eight, you would be okay. <laughs>
0: so Yep. It it doesn't take up a whole ton of space. We got the die set. So this is obviously different than the whole die and all-in-one thing of the classic kit. Ryan, what did we what did we actually get here? We it got actually has Lee, the load data Lee in ultimate it. The well. ultimate 308
1: Winchester complete. I think
0: they're carbide, maybe.
1: So we have uh Full length of- sizer, call it neck sizer, which is nice. It's a that's an added bonus. I'm gonna see if I, I can this master like this box. Four piece. Boy, I'll tell you, they made they engineered a really clever box that has destroyed my caveman brain. Jim, I can't get the box open. Well, that doesn't mean I'm gonna be able to get the box open. Why'd you hand it to
0: me? So while we sit here struggling with the box to get open, this is a four piece. I'll try forcing it. Set. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Use your hammer. Hold on
3: a second. While he's doing that, tell me about different media for your tumblers. Cool. So back up, I got it. Yes,
0: but the media for the tumbler. We got a stainless steel tumbler, Ryan. This
1: was something you suggested. Why did you suggest it? So there's like two different types of tumblers that are standardized, and there's people out there that are using other methods too. But cleaning of cases, oft debated topic. I think it's a good practice. Uh, Again, we're talking about brass longevity, and then also we're kind of talking about some firearms maintenance too, because. If you can imagine, like, so these once-fired cases came off our range floor, which is really clean because it's concrete and well maintained. But let's say we picked this up from off the of
2: dirt. Off, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and we had gravel. pretty common practice, man. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. See,
2: I see very... dudes scouring ranges we, called, all the time. It's called brass rats. Yes, um,
1: you get that that uh, you know that that gravel dust on that that silica or whatever it is. If you kept that on there and you never clean that off, even even by wiping it off, you're doing yourself a service. But imagine running that into your die; it's going to etch the inside of your die. Oh, and yeah. it's going to wear your die out, and it's going to it's going to wear your cases out. We're actually removing material. Well, imagine it's not if it great gets for your
0: gun. I'm no, sure the no, no. it gets that.
1: in your chamber. It's doing the same thing. So cleaning your cases is, a, a, I think, a really important step. And so, y- y- you know, wiping it off with even a towel is. Something, But there's also case cleaners. And so the two common ones uh, that we see a lot are a vibratory cleaner and then a tumbler. Like I would, I would consider what we have in front of us here a tumbler. Um, and then the media types are typically crushed walnut husks or corn cob mm-hmm. for the vibratory tumblers, or in this case, water and stainless steel. Uh, these are these tiny little pins. They look um, they're, well. Here, the exact dimensions are .047 thick. They look like
0: little. Uh, they look like little roll pins or detents. Yep,
1: exactly. By .255 long, so a little bit over a quarter inch long, uh, a little bit under uh, .05 thick. And all we're doing is we're using a an abrasive. In this case, it's the stainless steel pin. In the other case of the vibratory tumbler, it's the walnut husks or the corn cob media, and we're just kind of lightly scoring the outside of the case, the inside of the case, the primer pocket. We're trying to clean out all that crud and carbon and soot from the inside of the case. Now, stainless steel tumblers have been around for a long time in an industrial application, like they're used for parts cleaning um, and deburring on some other stuff. They kind of really hit the scene for reloaders, I'd say about five years ago, eight years ago. And there's a few companies that have... Had them out uh, in, in mass production, but Frankfurt Arsenal, I think, really brought it to the affordable side of, of things because this is a pretty expensive item. Even a vibratory tumbler is not an inexpensive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they started about 50 bucks, a really good one's about 100, and all it's doing is cleaning your cases. Well, this stainless steel media is really neat. It doesn't really need to be replaced, which corn cob media wears out depending on how much you're using it. It's really fast and it's extremely thorough. If you decap the cases and you clean them, it cleans the inside of the primer pockets and cleans the inside of the case as good as even an ultrasonic cleaner could. In in fact, I'd say it cleans it better um, because I've used ultrasonic in the past and I'm not that thrilled with it. I do have a Frankfurt Arsenal stainless steel tumbler, and it kicks butt. I mean, it makes like new brass. About how long do you have
3: that in there then? Two hours.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's relatively quick. I mean, is that
3: quite a bit shorter than the vibratory tumblers? Depend,
1: yeah, I mean, if you're trying to get to an interior clean as well,
3: I, I think so, yeah.
1: The only downside to one of these tumblers is you are using water. And so we know water and powder don't mix that well. You have to ensure that your cases are very dry. Oh. Um, so there's a few different ways to do that. You can get to, like, the hanging things for the inside of your laundry machine, and it'll dry that way. You can put them outside. I know people that use their dehydrators to make, like, jerky and, and oh, fruit sure. leather. Uh, a cool hack that I found, uh, got this on, online from long-range shooters of Utah. Uh, denatured alcohol, which you can buy large quantities of for not a ton of money, put it in a bucket, take your cases out of here, shake them dry, or shake them, like, get the majority of the water out, and then dunk them into that denatured alcohol. And what it does is it immediately displaces the water. You pull it out, The majority of the water has been displaced off of and inside of the case and inside of the primer pocket and flash Uh. hole. And then I just take them, I spread them out on a towel in front of a fan, and they're usually dry in about 20 minutes to 30 minutes an Hmm. hour. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Yep. Sun drying is another good way to do it too. I think it's the best way to clean cases if you're, Particular about cleaning your cases. I think you get the the best product at the end of it, um, and it does last indefinitely. So I'm on my first five pound bag of stainless steel tumbling media. I will likely never need to purchase another five pound wow. bag.
2: Yeah. Hmm. What's the uh, what's the ratio of material and cases, or how many cases can you put in here with the material at one time? So the bag that's inside of the tumbler
1: right now, there's because mm-hmm. there's one satchel could. Easily do a hundred cases at a time. Can a hundred cases fit in that easily? That tub? Yeah. And then I guess water. Yep. So a little water, and then I What's like to use blue goo they give you. It's a cleaner. That's um, a cleaner. Okay. Yeah. So everybody's kind of got their own recipe. I I use a squirt of Don dish soap and a three eighty ACP case full of Lemmy Shine. I don't know. Lemmy Shine's a di- like a detergent additive for your dishwasher. And it just it's kind of. I'll trust you. Yeah. Huh. And. um Yep, just tumble for a few hours, and and it comes out like, it looks like gold. It's beautiful. Nice. Yep, and like I said, just dry them off, and you're good. One thing, too, with with case tumbling, generally speaking, anyways, or at least for me, I'm not going to speak for everybody else that's out there reloading, but for me, I, I load a lot of, or I prep a lot of brass at one time, so I don't have to do it every time I load. So, like, for 45-70, if I have 100 pieces of, of brass, I'm not going to load them all up and shoot them. I'm going to load, like, 20 up but I prep all the brass at one time so that I have that store there. When I get to the end of that, then I go through a brass prep cycle and I'm done. So when when you're doing this tumbling and cleaning thing um, and you're worried about like, oh, I don't want to contaminate my powder, you're generally doing it and spacing it out between loading sessions so that you're going to have time to like have the cases dry naturally. So Hmm. really the detractors of the the liquid tumbler, they're minor in my opinion. Good product. Cool. Then the other... Luxury
0: item we added on, like we've mentioned a couple times now, is the digital scale and thrower, or or I don't know if it is also considered a thrower, but it's a digital scale. It, it measures – you throw powder in here, and you tell it exactly how much you want to come out. And it puts it in this cute little metal thing, and then you put a funnel in the case, and you pour it down, right? Yep. I mean, that's, Correct. that's pretty much how it goes. Correct. I mean, the whole point of this is it's not like – it's not like super trick what it's doing. I mean, like how it works is pretty trick and how technologically advanced it is, but really all it's doing is just making sure that you get the exact right amount of powder.
1: Correct, and saving you a little bit of time while you're doing it. Yeah. So it's it's not so manual. It's somewhat mechanized. Um, very handy tool, powder dumps. So you're not, you're stepping away from the dipper yeah. at that point in time. Yeah. Um, you're getting into a powder dump, which you like, like you had mentioned, you can adjust the amount that comes out. And they're pretty darn close. A lot of times they're all you need. Um, I know shooters that don't even use a balance scale past once they've set their powder dump. Like, they set their powder dump and they're done. They're like, mm. oh, that's it. And they just go to town. And yeah. depending, depending on the accuracy of the powder dump that you're using and the style of powder, I, the term that they'll use is called metering, how well that powder flows through that powder dump, you can be on the money. You you may not need to mm. worry about the balance
2: scale. and Well, yeah. and I guess how particular you're yeah. being. Yep. Yeah, you know, for the application. If, if, yeah. you're
1: making an, if you're making ammo to hunt, you know, game at respective distances. I mean, if you have a two-minute of angle gun, you pretty you have a pretty good shooter, right? Like you could you could hunt deer with that. That's a huntable gun, you know, at, at uh, respective distances. But, uh, yeah,
0: sweet. Should we chat about these dyes quick too? Yeah, so cool. So like up. Trent, you were asking about dies earlier. Now this is a f- this has four dies in it, mm-hmm. and it has the little yellow
2: thrower.
1: Yep, so it looks like... It's like it, the classic kit used to have. Interesting. So we have a full-length sizing die. Um, so we're going to resize the entirety of the case. So Jim's earlier device, only to the neck, this does the whole case. So if you have five 308 Winchesters, lever, bolt, single shot, and pump, and how many was that? Semi-auto. You can load all of your ammunition off of this die and feed it into all your guns. Okay. So it's going to reshape the entirety of the case.
0: Back to just like it was when it was new.
1: Yep. A collet neck sizing die. So a collet, this is the collet die here. These are clever. It's it's like four petals, four metal pedals that go in, and they resize very evenly every time. And again, we're talking about eliminating that runout. So if we weren't using a collet, if we were just using a shaped, like the inside of a die in a traditional sense.
0: Yeah, just like the classic had.
1: Yep. If it's a skew, now our neck is a skew. The collet has to close up the same every time, right? So it's like a mechanical device that opens and closes around something. It's putting the same amount of pressure around the whole hmm. yeah, the whole radius of the neck. A bullet seating die. So this this they separate the seating and crimp on this set. The bullet seating die is all its function is doing is pushing the bullet down into the case. And then to a
0: specified it. length, yep, or do you do correct. that by your, your handle?
1: Yep, you are adjusting this part here on the die. Oh, you it's adjust the top that. of the die. We can screw that out, and that's going to adjust the depth of what's called the cedar plug. And that's going to control the depth of your car- or your bullet into your cartridge. Um, and then the factory crimp die, which is really, really cool, too. That's another call-it device. I think Lee makes the best crimp die. Um, if you guys are out there thinking, like, hey, I want to crimp my cartridge. Like my 4570, for example, I crimp. Lee's factory crimp die, call it type. Same thing, even pressure around the outside of the case mouth, and it's just rolling the edge of the case mouth into the bullet. Um, If your bullet has what's called a cantalure, which is a a groove that's been rolled around it, or in the case of the forty-five, seventy projectiles that I shoot, they have uh, a crimp groove. And I use that crimp die to do that, and it's brilliant. It's just all you do is you run the case up into into the, the die on the press, and you just kiss it, and it's done. So I get all my ammo loaded, and my last step is crimp on the shell holder. Boop, pull it out.
2: Just give her a kiss. Yep, just a
1: just a little smooch.
2: Also comes. And is that so? You're doing that actually. So is it actually a kind of like a mechanized pressure, or are you just doing that by feel and just giving her a little and off you go?
1: uh, So I set that die so that when I'm at the top of the the stroke,
0: so
2: Mm -hmm. my
1: my handle is the lowest, my ram is the highest, Mm -hmm. right? that's it boom right there so
0: i moved the, the so there is a little fine tuning of how you set your yep. die you can't just screw the die in all the way and be like okay no, bang no. yeah bang. you'll, you'll okay. have to
1: kind of modify it a little bit and and this is something that you know they'll outline in the directions of the load manuals of the press manuals and things like this about setting dies up every rifle is going to be a little bit unique and individual and even the case is like there's two specs for case length for 4570. there's the hornady um FTX spec, which is for a very specific type of bullet, it's a shorter case. And then there's the other case, the other 4570 case. And I shoot the other 4570 case. So hmm. um you'll have to be cognizant of that when you start reloading some of those specialty things. But they'll go over that in the in the manuals of the dies and in the the load manuals too. So pay attention to that. Also includes another dipper, different volume on this one this one's a 2.8 cc dipper gotta love the dipper and what's called a shell holder so this goes on your press yep and it's the part that holds the bottom of the the case yeah so it clips into your extractor groove and holds your case head and this is going to this is going to be cartridge family specific so a lee number two for 308 will also fit a 22 250 a 243 six remington 30 odd six 270, 25 out six, six Creed more. Okay. Uh, anything with that same case head. So that clips on there and holds the case while you do all the functions. Lovely. Yep. So that's the ball set. And if you're
0: looking, you know, at another at another kit, because there are other kits than this Lee. This is the 50th anniversary, like we said, and they don't have everything that this one does. You can at least use this as a reference for what all you would need. Because we did find it to be very extensive in, mm-hmm. in having I mean, literally everything. It was it was kind of like I was actually hoping that there would be things missing from it so that we could point out, like, oh, you're going to need to get this. But, no, I pretty much had all the money. Now let's move to your swan dive. Trent, this is where I'm sure you'll be jumping in with, uh, it sounds like, most of your questions. Because this is, this, next up, Ryan, this is the Dylan you said 650? Yep. This thing is a turret press. Like, for example, right now it's set up to load 9 millimeter. There are, are multiple cases on the turret right now A lot going on. I don't even know where to start.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so we would call I think I saw this in Terminator 2. Yep, pretty much. Probably.
1: It's like uh, it's it's in his back. Um, (laughs) So this is uh, what they call a progressive press. So every pull of the handle accomplishes the entire function of loading of one cartridge. So I'm resizing, I'm depriming, I'm charging, I'm seating, I'm crimping. And when I release the handle or move it forward... A finished round pops out.
3: This is how Henry Ford would have done Correct. reloading. Yeah. So he- I think this is how Henry Ford would have done reloading, because one person would do one step every time, and then that's the advancement.
0: I see. <laughs> Fair okay. enough. A- Fair astute enough. observation, Trent. It- very good. So is this the Elon Musk of...
3: I would go, with, yeah, that would probably be closer. I think you're... Yep. Okay. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. One machine does it all.
1: Yeah, so... It's an advanced press. I mean, it's not something I tell somebody who's never been mechanically inclined um, or is intimidated by uh, backyard explosives to just jump into because there's some stuff going on here. But really, once you shake it all down and you look at each part, it's not different necessarily than what we're dealing with here. It's just putting it all into one place. The setup is considerably more involved, though, like the tuning of the press – the initial, initial go round is an involved process. You are having to adjust, in my case, four dies instead of one at a time. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, they're all at different depths where you've, where you've threaded them in. They're correct. all doing different functions. How long does that, how long would you say that the setup took you?
1: Um, so initially, I was terrified when I got it. It took me days. Like I looked at that thing, I'm like, "What did I do?" I like, I bought an alien, and then I'm like, letting it live in my house. I don't know if it's hostile. Uh, it did. It, it took. It took me a while. Just a lot to, of uncertainty there. Yeah, there Just was. Locked yourself in your
0: closet with your nine yeah. millimeter for a little bit and waited. Um, to see if it came after you.
1: And then I, I came out and I, I, got to know it. I introduced myself and I started monkeying with it and and made a lot of bad ammo the first half hour, 45 minutes of tinkering, a lot of this stuff going on.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Bullets seated too deep, uh, crimps too much, crimps too little, flares too much, flares too little. Once I got everything indexed, though, I I actually have not adjusted this press since I moved to Wisconsin almost five years ago. Are you serious? No, I haven't touched a thing on it. I took it off of my bench the other day uh, for this podcast, and it's been sitting by my front door. I'll put it back on my bench. I'll do a once-around, make sure that my powder levels are correct and my Cartridge overall lengths are correct, and that they still chamber, and that'll be good. It wow. is a, it is a remarkably robust design. I, I honestly, I couldn't put a number to the to the amount of ammo that I've loaded on it, but it is in the tens of thousands of rounds. When you set
0: it up, like right now, it's set up for nine mil. Yep. Just do you try to avoid at all costs setting it up for something else?
1: No. If you can,
0: like, have you ever loaded anything other than nine mil on oh, this? Oh yeah. Yep. So you said you've never adjusted it
1: uh, in this configuration.
0: Do you have like how do you do you, do you have like a whole lot, like 308 configuration that you can just take out and bolt in or
1: I don't have a 308 but you can so on the top of the press is what's called the tool head so the tools referring to we've got in this case we've got a powder measure we've got what's called a powder cop this is not standard this is this is just a convenience item so basically. If I'm loading cartridges, and and to put this into scale, as I have it configured, 1,000 rounds an hour is not inconceivable. So you can really really move on this press. And you can actually make them faster. I don't have a case feeder that will aid in this tremendously. Um, And you can get like expanded primer holders and that kind of thing. All a powder cop does is it runs a loaded, uh, or excuse me, a powdered case up into this die, and it just uses a little stop that tells me whether or not I have powder in it. If I failed to load powder in it, it makes a super obnoxious beep. <laughs> um,
0: how do you? How would you fail to load powder in it? It's doing it all for you. Is it just if you're not paying attention, you ran
1: out of powder? Yeah, like somehow I unindexed, or like you said, I didn't go into powder um, or ran low on the powder volume. Um, It's really hard to do. I've never had cross my fingers a squib. Knock on wood. Is there anything else I can do that's lucky? Because I just said it. But I've never had a squib (laughs) off of this rabbit's foot. Right off of this press. Um, So yeah, if if I was to have have done something out of sequence or somehow goofed it up, and it's very difficult to do on a Dillon 650. Yeah, it would alert me that I didn't have powder in that that case. There's also an alarm on the top of it that tells me when I'm out of primers.
0: Oh, that's even worse. Way, way more annoying. That is annoying. a horrible <laughs> sound. Yeah. And
1: so when you're, when you're out of primers, um, it lets you know. Uh, it's it's pretty handy. But yeah, like I said, it, it's a tool that I got a number of years ago. I, I got into competitive shooting pretty heavily, especially on the pistol and rifle side of things. And my ammunition bill was high enough that after a little bit of a use study, I figured out how much I could spend on a press and then come out money ahead after, say, a shooting season. And I, I actually got this off Craigslist. I found a guy in, in Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. He was an elderly gentleman. I wish he would have kept his information because he was very interesting. He bought the whole setup plus, like, 10 tool heads and 10 die sets. And, like, every little bit and piece you could buy, put it together, and he's like, oh, I didn't need all that. And, <laughs> and, he went, and, he, and he went back to his single stage. Yeah. And so he put on there for a song. It was still pretty expensive. Um, I went up, drove up there, shook his hand, handed him some cash, and drove home with my my uh, my Dylan 650.
3: Cool thing, really. You enjoy can it. actually automate these ones, can't you? You
1: can, um, and I've done that. No way. Yeah. Keep an extension cord on that, it'll take over the world. I the 650 is not the device to automate. They make another press up. So actually, they have a series of presses. Um, Dylan's are all you, you could call automatic in some regard, like their entry levels, called their Square Deal B. Um, you have to manually put a case in and manually put a bullet in. The next is their 550, which you have to manually index, load a case and a bullet. The next is the 650, which I have to load a bullet. The next is the 1050. And the 1050 is like a commercial loading machine. And like a person can buy this. They're just very expensive. You're going to invest 2000 to $3,000 into the whole shebang to get your money's worth out of it or you can get a bullet feeder you can get a case feeder you can get a mechanized or an auto arm on it so you push a button stand back eat a sandwich it makes you a ton of ammo and there's some other companies out there that have have now come out that that do that even more like a mark 7 for instance you're loading 1500 rounds an hour um and as long as you keep it well powdered well bulleted and and primed it's going to do your job for you but that's no fun so <laughs> I, like, I like this. This is still somewhat uh, intimate and makes me feel like still I'm...
3: pull lever. Yep. So what's to look at? If maybe uh, or is Dylan probably the best option for a turret style progressive press?
1: I think the six fifty for what for the the pistol shooter is a six fifty. I think if you were like just a very recreational shooter, you enjoyed going out and and um, you know shooting a pistol or two. Uh, look at the square DLB. I also have one of those. That's a really nice little press. Um, I, I got that one for a song too. I, I have it set up like exclusively for 45 ACP. I have two 45 ACPs and they both shoot the same load very well. So I just hum along with that one. If you're going for USPSA, three gun, IDPA, tactical training with a pistol, I think a 650 is where you go. I think you get it in a very similar configuration. I've got a couple of aftermarket parts on here that are completely convenience items. You can get more or less everything from Dylan Reloading Products as you see it right here done. You're probably looking at about twelve to fifteen hundred bucks.
0: So, Trent, now out of curiosity, like when you're looking at something like this and you're saying, "Oh, it's hard to just wrap your mind around everything that you actually need," does that totally answer? It? Or like what else? What else is in this thing? Because I don't even know, like what one of these comes with, what you've added on. Can you, like, point out the things that you've added on that that one of these wouldn't ordinarily come with?
1: So when you order yeah, you can kind of piecemeal it from Dylan. They do a really good job of of giving you a product you can use out of the box and then what you should have to make it a, a really efficient setup. So talking earlier about assembly line stuff, they don't come with the stand. I don't think the stand is required I could hard mount this to this bench right here. It'd be fine. I like the stand because it puts the press up in front of me. So I'm working. I'm looking in my cases while I'm running it. I'm. I can see everything. It's at eye level. It's not low. I'm not goofing around right with but it there. If you're somebody who's <clears throat> five ten, then... there's nothing wrong with being five ten. You just lower <laughs> your bench. But the stand. The stand is. Imp- I think important. Um, so it comes. It comes out of the box. With one powder measure, one die set, one tool head, one press, and that's it. Okay. And so from there, like, you would add the stand.
0: Stand. You can
1: get the stand from Dylan. There's also a couple of aftermarket companies that make excellent stands. And then I added the tool accessory holder. So I get all the little Dylan wrenches, and it also comes with like, a, a box end wrench mm-hmm. um, that you can then put an acro bin on the backside to act as a, a loaded... Bullet catch. I recommend this. I also oh. I also did a drop tube for a while. So I, I used to load like three, four, five, six thousand rounds at a time. And I had a drop tube. God,
0: you have so much time on your hands.
1: <laughs> I had a drop tube that went off the edge of my bed or off the edge of my bench into a, a bucket or a bin. I actually had a case detonation, which was the most terrifying thing I've ever had as a reloader. I've never <laughs> I've never had a primer go off. I've never had a primer column go off. I've never had a squib or a round blow up, but I did have a case detonation as it dropped on my prime, or my, my drop tube. So I'm not a fan of that. I, I switched back to the box. Well,
2: no, so what, what caused that?
1: Um So the best I can deduce, uh, I was loading 10 millimeter auto, which is a pretty snappy cartridge and I was loading it hot. Um I had a, uh, yeah, so I was like 40. It's a great one to have gone. Right. I was like 41 meg velocities and pressure. Like
2: what are you are trying to make bear medicine or yep, what?
1: Yep, correct. Okay. And uh, it was a large, large quantity of them. And it was 185 grain or 180 grain, excuse me, Hornady jacket at hollow point. Um, I can't remember the powder charge. It was substantial. It was not a comfortable load to shoot out of the gun I was shooting it out of. And so the drop tube was like 29 and a half inches long. And I think what happened is I, I built it into the drop tube in which it would spiral around and slow it. While it went, and then it would fall down the tube slower. Okay. But I was going so quick, I don't know if it just bounced, but it, like, it didn't do the spiral, and it just dropped 29 straight inches down without slowing down at all. And one case, one, like, bullet hit the primer of another. The primer detonated. Well, when it's not contained inside of a chamber... There's no gunshot, but the thing turns into a fragmentation grenade. So whatever that powder charge was, completely detonated. The case failed totally. It exploded into a bajillion pieces. The cardboard box that I had the, at the time probably 900 loaded cartridges in, <laughs> shredded and, like, blew open. And in my parents' basement, I don't think my dad will ever listen to this podcast, and I never did tell him about it. In my parents' basement, <laughs> <laughs> There's a line on the wall of, like, shrapnel from the case, like, shredding it. And right, now
0: uh, Ryan can't hear anything when he calls right. his name.
1: So the best part, like, not to make a, a short story long, so boom, this goes off. It's as loud as the gunshot. My whole family's upstairs. I'm like, oh, my God, my dad's going to take away my reloading press. I'm never going to be able to load ammo again in this house. And so, like, I collect my things. I do, a, a you know, a check to make sure I'm not bleeding out of anything. I like sneak, like sul like sulk upstairs, just waiting for my old man to just drop the hammer on me. Nobody knew what happened; they never heard it.
2: You know, I, I would have to assume, or at least I would I would hope Ryan that like if uh, any child is down in the basement, regardless of age, and somebody upstairs hears a gunshot in the house, they maybe investigate to make sure nothing. D- horrible has happened. I don't know. Not wait for you to go upstairs and I don't you know. know.
1: That was the only that was the only accident I ever had.
2: That's the only one, huh? That's it. So oh, I'd, wow. I'd have to assume that all the other um cartridges that were in the mix there were fine. They were fine. Yep you could I still inspected use those.
1: I inspected all of them. So it was really neat. The bullet never went anywhere. It just stays there. The case explodes. Right. I have a picture of the case. I can try to find it. It's on my old phone. The case explodes Uh, like banana peels, the powder, of course, burns the box split. And that was the end of
2: it. I just, for whatever reason, I would have thought like microparticles or uh, microparticles. Yes. I made that up, Jim. Um, (laughs) but like, you know, contaminants, whatever, you you know, possible slight imperfections induced by the Hmm. explosion. It thankfully didn't. Okay. Yeah. So I think we were talking about
0: acro bins, and then we got talking about Ryan blowing
1: himself up oh, yeah. almost one time. Tool holder acro bin acro bin holds uh, about three hundred loaded cases. When you add this nifty acro bin dam, it's called from Inline Ooh. Fabrication. Great company, got a lot of their products. Roller handle. This is not a standard accessory. They come with a ball handle like this. Yeah. After you get to like a thousand rounds, you'll look down and you'll have a giant blister on your palm. So Mm. you'll switch to a roller handle, so that handle (laughs) spins freely. Um, I've got he says it
0: like it's just it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I've got what's called a skylight kit on it. So there's like an LED strip here that illuminates the inside of the press, inside of the D. um, Oh, fancy! Yeah, Mm. and then I've got a primer drop tube, so your primers would normally just fall out and they make a little
0: spent ones. Yeah.
1: They make a little tray that can go in there. Well, when you're loading a... Well, even if you're loading 500 rounds an hour, if you're going pretty slow, 500 primers is a lot of primers. And that thing fills up really quick. And if it fills up to the point that it jams it, it locks your press up. So I run this tube just down into actually a, a, an empty powder bottle. And that'll hold thousands and thousands of primers. So I only have to empty that like once a year. And then I've got a live primer catch bottle on here. So the way the Dylans work is they use a turret inside of the turret that's loaded with primers. And every time you cycle it, this little, this little doodad indexes and a primer will skip if I can get it unlocked, here we go. A primer can skip this turret and now I'm dumping primers into that powder bottle. Well, these are good primers. So if I run out of cases and I do two cycles, well, I just lost two primers. Well, not with that because I have this little cup on there. So it catches that. And then I've done some bearing upgrades on there. Again, this is not required. Bearings. Yeah. So nice. un- underneath the shell plate, this you is run called some
0: Swiss ceramics or uh, like some bones. Fenelic.
1: Of... I don't know
2: what the word is. Oh, fin- I'm just fin- oh.
0: Roller blade. It is a. Terms. It's a. Yeah. So it's Every- a
2: fancy bearing. Everything's ball bearings these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, to
1: the internet. The shell plates on these can flick, and then you have powder spillage. And when you're like going a thousand rounds an hour. You don't want it to flick. I actually still press my finger on the plate as it's indexing. You get into kind of a groove, and you can do this. But I did a bearing upgrade, and it eliminates the flick. Um, and then that's that's about it. That's about it, huh?
2: Yeah. I do have a question. You'll have to forgive me, and it's a big backtrack here. But you were saying you've got multiple dies, right? Yep. Which are going to be these guys up here, yeah? <laughs> and maybe I just need to see it in action. But you're saying with every pull you're getting a complete cartridge right just like this one that came down the tube so with these multiple dies how are they all engaging i guess the cartridge in some fashion at the same time sure am i off base with this question no
1: no so it's not it's not like so there's five stations on on the press it's not you're you're not getting five loaded cartridges every time you're getting one. so the shell plate rotates okay as we index the handle each rotation places a case into a different stage of the sequence. So the, okay. first, the first stage, a case will come out of the case feeder tube onto the load tray, which then indexes into the shell plate. The second index will run that case up into the sizing decapping die, mm-hmm. which resizes it, reshapes it, and then knocks the primer out. The third will put it into the powder drop, and so this... The powder can only drop if there's a case in there. It's called a case-activated powder drop. Brilliant design. That subsequently flares the case mouth. The next stage on this one is that one that we talked about that's not necessarily required. It's the powder cop stage, so it tells me that I have powder on it. But now we we, have—oh, yeah, I forgot to mention priming. So we have a resized, primed, powdered, flared case after three pulls. Oh, after
2: okay. So yep. there are multiple pulls then. Well, yeah. to
1: load it. Like when you very 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 first
0: start out and there's nothing on the turret, you got to yep. pull the lever a we couple gotta, times before s- you start getting the uh, before you start getting a loaded round coming out every yeah. time.
1: Okay. So my fourth set is going to be a seating of the bullet and the fifth set is going to be a crimp. Okay. So once yeah. it's crimped, then it's done. Once I move the handle down, a loaded round spills out the tray. At that point in time, the array is full or the turret is full. Each subsequent pull produces one loaded cartridge. Okay. Yep. So all all I have to do is pull the lever and set a bullet on top. And they even make a bullet feeder for this. But, again, that's not that fun. You got to, yeah. I like to do that. Visual inspection. Like
0: manual transmission.
1: Kind of, yeah. It's better. (laughs) Trent, what do you
3: think? That's the one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, with that being said. And your wife has a horse, too, which you told us, right? So this is okay.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, sky is the limit on excuses when your wife has a horse, because <laughs> what can be that expensive?
2: Uh, well, I remember. I remembered because when we we're when we we're on that road trip, you know, Trent has a lot of hobbies: reloading, yeah. shooting, competitive shooting, just any number of things. The man is an onion. And uh, I asked him. I go, man, how do you? Uh, I hate to use the word permission, but I guess it was like, and dude, yeah, he he goes. She's got a horse. That was <laughs> and, all he said. And that's all, and, and the that, conversation was essentially over at that point. We just all understood. Yeah.
3: I mean, that is just a license. It's just free license, free reign, whatever <laughs> you just got to give your partner an equally expensive hobby, and you're good to go, bam. What happens
1: if she doesn't have a horse? She will. Okay, gotcha. That's She just it. get you another horse.
3: Oh, she's also a triathlete, so her bike oh is worth more gosh, than most that's people's awesome. cars. Oh, jeez. Gosh, so, you are
2: in the clear, man. Yeah. In fact, you're, I think you're a little bit behind I'm on... I am far behind.
3: Yeah,
0: it's time you go get... You know what? Why not the 1050 Ryan mentioned earlier? <laughs> I'm already <laughs>
3: at the AmmoBot stage well, at yeah, this point. Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's Sweet. cool. I will say this, though. Progressive presses are fantastic tools. I still... Really enjoy using my single stage. Well, and you saw it. we uh, the listeners, you heard how much Ryan even geeked out over
0: the Lee Classic I'm so excited. $28 yeah. reloader thing. That's pretty cool. Well, hopefully this gave everybody a little inkling as to what is actually necessary in order to do reloading. Mark, I think we know kind of what we need to do in order to reload for this Vortex Extreme. I think maybe not the Classic. <laughs> maybe not. I feel like the after if I don't shoot a, if I don't shoot something that we reload on the classic I'll be upset but I don't yes. know if the extreme is
2: it the extreme probably isn't that you know when when we first started this we we're looking at the the array of equipment here and you said you know you use the word overwhelmed and I, I was a little bit overwhelmed when I got here in fact I had a little bit of anxiety I saw it just looking at it that very,
0: yeah. Uh, it's better. I think I think <laughs> we're going to use this I think we're going to use the cannonball. This this single stage press. Cannonball, I think, I think we can sort out the cannonball. We got to make 80 rounds a piece for the extreme. I think that's doable. Cuz we got time too. Time's on our side. All right. Well, the only next logical step is to actually load up the ammo. So you're going to have to stay tuned in this series because we got another special podcast for you involving actually putting this stuff to use. Trent Thanks for joining us, as usual. Thanks for having me. Being a guest, got anything to close us off on?
3: I guess what we're seeing in the first two stages, you might look at that and say, wow, that is a huge amount of space and things. But what's different with these is you also would have to have trays of ammunition staged for every prep and remove every die every time you go through a step. Mm, So honestly, you'd probably have, Four or five hundred rounds worth of space on each side of the equipment, where that is in an all-in-one situation. So, if you don't have a lot of room, that might also be a better idea for you. Might be hmm. a little more expensive, um, but might also save space.
0: Hmm. Fair point. I like that Trent's closing argument is to just. Go with the swanda. Go. <laughs> for my
3: purposes, roads,
2: I am looking at all that. roads lead back to the progressive press. Let me ask this question though, not to extend this anymore, oh, but you've Mark. got some reloading experience behind you, right? Like, if you had zero experience, I mean, it just seems like there's a lot going on here. Like you're doing a lot of checks, and you have, a, you even know you know what to check for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This thing is intimidating to me. I'm going to have Ryan set mine up, and then that would be it.
3: If you could have one mentor that knows how to work something like that, I think you are pretty well good to go.
0: We'll set Ryan up with a Ford Transit van. He can start his (laughs) own business, where after work, he'll just drive around the country and set up people's progressive I think it'd be cool to
3: have a mobile
2: reloading setup. If any listener out there... has might have to. People put their fly tying benches on their pickup bed?
1: No, I find that, if not as cool, possibly cooler. I did not know that. If there's any listener that has a mobile reloading setup, um, my hat is off to you for for not you know living in the constraints of your basement or garage.
3: Please, I want to see that. That's cool. That'd be cool. I think yeah. the hardest thing there would be stability. Even with a standard desk, you usually don't have enough stability for self leveling. Oh, sure. Those
0: engineering self leveling air tables. I think that's I think mm. that's where you're at. Mm-hmm. All right, we've had like eight closing statements, so we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna count this one. I've got I've got another one. Mar-
1: all right. <laughs> <laughs> here's stated in confident. All right, Mark,
0: if you can do it in less than 4
2: minutes cuz that's what we have to an hour and a half. Here's here's my last call. Right now, at this moment of time, I've got all 10. Count them. Stay um, tuned.
0: Stay tuned.
2: <laughs> that's it. Perfect. Thanks everybody. Catch you next time. See ya.